Look with me, please, in Matthew, a scripture that the guys were singing about earlier. Aren't they doing a good job singing and playing? Oh, we so appreciate them. In Matthew 11 and 28, we're singing about it, but it's our main text for the week, I think. He said, Jesus said, wait, wait, you say that? Well, he could change it tomorrow, right? Or he could change it right now. I mean, I'm not the boss. He said, come to me, Jesus, the master said, come to me. All that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The child of God is not supposed to be burdened down, heavy, oppressed, stressed, upset, depressed. Not supposed to be. Now we've all yielded to some of this stuff here and there, but it's because we didn't heed this wonderful offer and invitation. What did he say? Are you loaded? Are you overloaded? Are you stressed? Are you fatigued? Are you wearied? What did Jesus say? Come here. Come here. And let me relieve you. I will give you rest. Does this sound good to anybody? I will give you rest. Keep going. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now this reveals not every yoke is his yoke. I am meek and lowly in heart. Other translations, I believe it's the Amplified says it like this, I am meek and humble, gentle, meek, or humble, lowly. So the word gentle is a word we might use, and the word humble is the word we might use in modern vernacular. Humble. We talked about how significant this is last night, how that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth, the scripture said. And the Lord pointed out to me years ago that he was also the most used man of him in his generation. Meekness and humility is not what many presume that it is. It has nothing to do with being too weak. Nothing to do with weakness. In fact, it takes far more strength to be humble than it does to be proud. Pride reveals insecurity, reveals weakness, weakness of faith, weakness of knowing who you are, what you are. And uh, insecurities are all just different manifestations of fear. And God did not give us the spirit of fear. Some translations say timidity, which is, again, just whether it's being a little timid, whether it's dreading something a little bit, or full-blown panic, paralyzing panic. It's the same evil stuff, fear, just different degrees of it. And it's not accident that again and again when an angel of the Lord shows up or the Lord speaks through a person, some of the first words are, fear not. Fear not. That's not just the standard greeting. It is, if you don't 
stop fearing, it's going to interfere with what the Lord wants to happen. It'll interfere with it. So uh, he, he says, I am meek and humble, gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest unto your souls. He says it again about the rest. For my yoke is easy. So there are other yokes out there that are not easy. And my burden is, or we, instead of burden, we might say load, is light. So there are other loads that are heavy. And the enemy never comes as the devil. He never comes in a, a red suit with a pitchfork. Never. The Bible said, 2 Corinthians, he transforms himself into an angel of light. He's always trying to deceive people that what he is giving them is from God. And he's very, very crafty. He's been deceiving human beings for millennia. And he's quite proficient at it. And the only thing that will give us the edge, we just hadn't been alive long enough or have enough experience or know enough to just try to go match, you know, wits. But we got help. <laughs> we got the helper, capital H, living inside us. And if we'll listen to him, we will not be ignorant of Satan's devices. We'll not be caught off guard. In fact, we'll be ahead of things if we'll pray, and seek him, listen to him. So he said, come to me, and I'll give you rest. In James 4, we looked at this. Let's look at it again. James 4 and verse 6. It said, God gives more grace. Grace is one of the biggest words in the Bible, particularly the New Testament. And uh, one word that you could use to sum up grace is gift. Gift. All of God's grace available to us is everything He has given to us. And as a gift, it is not deserved nor earned. It's a free gift. Everything that He has given to us is a free, undeserved, unearned gift. But here we see that even though it's available, it's not ministered to everyone the same. He said, God resists the proud. They don't get the grace. And this is startling news to a lot of folks. They're like, well, no, you know, God's grace is, is on everybody. It's available to everybody. But it is not manifested in everybody's life. Well, is this verse true or not? How does God deal with the proud and haughty and arrogant? They don't get the grace. Now, another word for grace is help. Part of God's grace to us is how he helps us. And it comes in so many forms. His direction, his strength favor with in situations. I mean, the list goes on and on. But the proud don't get helped. He said he gives his grace to the humble, but the proud are resisted. 
This is not so hard to believe when you realize just when it comes to the new birth. You have to humble yourself to be born again. Is this true or not? You have to. Sadly, there are millions of people on the planet who do not think they need to be saved. They will not ask for help from God. And when it's proclaimed and offered through people like me and other ministers, they won't receive it. They will affirm they're okay like they are. They're fine. Like they're, oh no, they don't claim to be perfect. But they're, you know, generally speaking, pretty good people. (laughs) Are you going to be born again when you don't think you need to be saved? And what else could you call that but pride? Right? Gross ignorance. (laughs) Not realizing how pitiful a shape you're in without him. You, I don't care if you've been one of the greatest people in charity that there are, and if you've done amazing kind things to people, and you've invented things that have helped people. If you are not born again, you are lost yes. without God. You have the nature of the devil. Yeah. Oh, people don't like that, but it's Bible. Yeah. Unless you're born again, yeah. You are not okay. You need a Savior. You need to be saved. But before you will be saved, you got to admit you're not saved. You got to admit you're lost. You got to admit you can't save yourself. You have to humble yourself. We're there in James. Go to the first chapter of James and the 21st verse. Just a couple of chapters earlier, he had already said this. He said, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. This is King James language. Receive with meekness. Did you hear that phrase? Do what? Receive how? Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. This is applicable to everybody that has a soul. (laughs) Lost or saved. There's an application to it for the saved person as well. But how are you going to receive it? With meekness. You'll have to humble yourself and acknowledge, I need a Savior. That's why again and again you'll see even the most hardened people, even the most stoic intellectuals are non-emotional people when they are convinced by the power of the Spirit and their eyes are open, you'll see people break. You'll see people cry. You'll see people hit their knees. You understand what I'm talking about? Why? Because it dawns on them reality. And if you will admit it, if you will humble yourself and acknowledge I am lost. I am without God. And I cannot fix it. I can't save myself. Oh, but I do believe, Lord, that you sent Jesus. And I receive you, Master. I receive everything 
Do you have to humble yourself to do that? Can you see that? No, no other way. You cannot be haughty and full of pride and be born again. Get born again. You have to humble yourself. Can you see the very picture of that verse? The proud man or woman that says, I'm fine like I am. I don't believe in all that God stuff. I'm, I'm as good as you or anybody else. I don't need this Jesus thing. What happens from God to them? Is he going to accommodate their pride? Is he going to plead with them? They haven't accepted the greatest gift that's ever been given in the history of the universe. They've even despised it and blasphemed. What are they going to get? Resisted. They're going to get no grace, no help, unless, <laughs> unless and until they do what? Humble themselves. And see, a big part of humility is just acknowledging the truth, just being honest instead of pretending and believing lies, just being honest, just acknowledging I'm not okay as I am, which is just a fact. It's just true. I can't save myself. That's just the truth. And how many know the moment a person does that and they humble themselves and instead of sticking out their, their head and their chest, they go low. That lowly thing, they go low. They humble themselves. What will happen? Grace will flow to them. Is that grace will flow to them? Like a river, the help of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to recreate them and cause them to be born again, the love of God to fill up their heart, the joy and the peace to overflow them. Grace will flow to them if, and the moment when you do, humble yourself and respond. Well, it's not just that way with the new birth. It's that way with everything, all the time. After you've been born again, humbled yourself and received Jesus. I wish I could tell you that you were forever done with pride, <laughs> but it is the nature of this unregenerate flesh, and it'll be with you all your days. And if you don't identify it and resist it, it will influence you. And it can rob you. Just like the lost man or woman. If they won't acknowledge their need. And ask for help and receive help. They won't get help. And even though you've been born again. You can be haughty in other areas. I don't need anybody's help. I don't. You know, I'm fine like I am. And in our circles, word and faith people, and I'm one of them right in the middle. And, I, and I'm glad about it. Faith has changed my life. The word is my standard for everything. Phyllis and my standard for everything. But anytime something great happens in people's lives, the enemy always tries to get in there and twist it some way. Mess it up. You got a lot of faith people. They don't want to admit they're dealing with anything. Yeah, right. That's right. Yes, sir. 
Because if you have enough faith, you know, faith people don't have these kind of problems. Said who? What Bible you been reading? (laughs) The Bible didn't say if you have enough faith, you'd never have problems. Well, that didn't go over too good. Did you see that? I was like, pump, real a dull thud. I read scriptures like many are the afflictions of the righteous. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. But the Lord delivers the. Didn't say you didn't have them. Now think about some of the greatest miracles in the in the Bible. Think about the three Hebrew children delivered from the fiery furnace. I mean, our, our, our little ones learn this. Uh, I hope they're learning it. Yours are learning it. Ours are. Uh, about, you know, what happened. They stood up in front of the king. said, we won't worship your dumb idol. <laughs> he heated it up seven times and threw them in. They weren't delivered from no. the fiery furnace. That would have been so much more comfortable. <laughs> right? Uh-uh. No. I mean, it would have been, you're laughing about it, but you've got to put yourself in their shoes. You're there. You know, you're tied up. They're heating this thing up. You, you could feel the heat when you walked up. Now it's blistering you almost. You know, it feels like it's going to. And it would be so nice if God would just move on Nebuchadnezzar and him say, hold, hold up. God just told me not to do this. Untie these guys. And you go, whoo, thank God, thank God, thank God. But that's not going to excite our guys in the children's classes. They would say, so something didn't happen. Right. Okay, got any more animal cookies? It's not as exciting when you're delivered from something. It's a whole lot more comfortable. What's spectacular is when you're delivered out of the middle of it. (laughs) People still talk about it generations later. Oh, come on, can you see that? But it's so uncomfortable for your flesh. Oh, at the time, your flesh is freaking out. And you've got to get a hold of yourself and keep telling yourself it's going to be okay. Just <laughs> remain calm and trust God. And can you imagine when these big soldiers grabbed them and ran toward the fiery furnace? And it was so hot that it overcame the soldiers and killed them. And as they're dying and stumbling down with one last push, they shoved these guys in. And as you go sailing into this inside of a molten furnace and your hands and your knees slide into the coals, then you go, huh? <laughs> 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 the only thing it burned off was your ropes. Came out, didn't even have a singe, not a singe, not a smell, not a smell of smoke. 
But you don't get that when you're delivered from. (laughs) You only get that when you're delivered out of the middle of it. Are y'all okay? (laughs) Oh, thank God. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Go with me if you would. Where are you right now? I got excited about that and lost my place. 121, you read that, you're good. 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. Oh, the Lord's helping us so much. Brother, sister, he's helping us. Let's begin in verse 1. Let me read this in the NIV. 2 Corinthians 1, first chapter, first verse. 1-1, NIV. He said, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia. Grace and peace. To you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that first word? Grace and peace to you. Is he just trying to make a nice letter and with a nice sounding greeting? No, he's releasing faith that grace, which includes help, help. And peace will come to you. Will everybody experience that who reads the letter? No. This is something that we have kind of just glossed over. Just because something is ministered doesn't mean it is received. I think some folks have misunderstood this about grace. People say, well, yeah, but. You know, Jesus has already paid for all the sins of all mankind, past, present, future, no matter what they do. That's true. But if you take that logic further, you'll say, well, then if it's all based on grace alone, then everybody will be saved because he paid the cost and price for everybody. If you just, you say grace is all that matters. But that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. Everybody's not going to be saved. Have you read the scripture? Why? If he's already done it, why won't everybody be saved? Because what has been given by grace must be received by faith. And he's not going to force you to receive it. So no, just because it's been done, just because it's been given, does not mean you will automatically experience it. Righteousness has been bought and paid for and given. Forgiveness for all sin has been bought and paid for and given. Healing has been bought and paid for and given. Abundance has been bought and paid for and given. The Holy Spirit has been given. Peace has been given. Is that right? Redemption and deliverance, complete spirit, soul, and body has been bought and paid for and given. But 
billions on the planet will never experience it. And that's one of the most heartbreaking things about this world in life. Billions on the planet will never experience any of that. It's sad. And one of the biggest reasons why? Pride. Because it's available. And God wants you to have it. He wouldn't have gone to the trouble of getting it and paying for it and giving it if he didn't want you to have it. Right? But you must humble yourself. You must receive it. And it takes humility to receive something that you don't deserve. That you didn't earn. That you could never have bought or paid for. Especially the bigger the gift gets. The more you got to humble yourself. You're thinking, I don't deserve this. He knows. But he gave it to you anyway. I could never begin to think to try to pay this back. He didn't ask you to. That's why he had to make it a free gift. Because he knew you couldn't afford it. (laughs) He knew you'd never be able to get it. That's why he just did it himself. Bought, paid for, and gave it. (laughs) Keep reading. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Oh, hallelujah. Keep going. He comforts us in all our troubles. Hold up, Paul. You had some troubles? I thought he was a faith man. If you got enough faith, you quit having troubles, right? Are you going to say that Paul didn't get to that level? Or maybe the theory's wrong. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. One of the reasons, oh, thank God for the Holy Spirit tonight. One of the reasons why some battles seems so tough. You don't know what's going on. You don't see in the realm of the Spirit. But what's going on is the enemy is doing his best to crush an acorn before it becomes a mighty oak tree. You don't see it at the time. But your victory will affect other people's victory. And you don't see it, but your defeat and giving up and failure would also affect other people. Because then the enemy will jump right on them and say, well, if they can't do it, you can't do it either. You might as well give up and quit now. Both of those things are going on. And time after time, not just with ministers and people that are more well known, everybody that's connected to anybody else, your kids are watching you. Your brothers and sisters are watching you. Your friends or your co-workers are watching you. And even though they say they don't believe in all that stuff, they're still watching you. Is that right? And they, even though they may have made a wrong choice about it, in their heart, they're hoping it's true. 
<laughs> and they would like to yeah. see something. Yeah. And God wants them to see something. Yeah. Not you trying to shove something down their throat. He wants them to see just watching you. See a victory. See a healing. See a need met. See a problem solved. That they can't figure out how that happened. And God begins to be more evident and real to them. That's again, that's why sometimes, time and time again, a seemingly simple battle over not that big of a thing you might think could seem like such a hard thing. You just have to keep on standing, just keep on on this thing, and you think, what is the deal with this? Well, you don't see what's going on behind the scene. You don't see what God has planned and what the enemy's trying to stop. But all you need to know is that you don't stop. Having done all to stand, you don't quit having done all to stand. You keep on standing against what the enemy's trying to do, standing on the Word of God. You don't quit. You don't quit. You don't quit. And he always causes you to triumph. And I'm telling you, child of God, your victory affects other people's victories. One of the calls on our life is that we are anointed. And this is not just preachers. We are anointed to be living witnesses of his reality, of his presence, of his goodness, of his faithfulness. We are to be a burning, shining light in this dark, evil world that God is real, that God is good, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's faithful. And the enemy wants that light diminished. He wants it put out. He doesn't want anybody to be influenced by you. But he can't just stop it. He's a defeated foe. But he can hinder. And he can tempt. And he can come against. Elsewise, why would we be told? Resist. Fight. That would let you know something's coming up, right? Uh, Keep reading. Keep reading. Just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. That would only happen in victory, not in failure and defeat. The Lord wants us to win every one. That's what that scripture said, always. Keep keep reading verse 6. If we're distressed, he's talking about himself. It's for your comfort and salvation. How's his victory going to affect them? Well, what if he had been defeated and quit and quit the ministry? We wouldn't be reading 2 Corinthians 1. Wouldn't be preaching about it. Did his victory affect anybody else? Oh, my had to be far out beyond anything he ever dreamed of when he was alive. And if we're comforted, it's for your comfort. Yes. 
which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Verse 7. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Let's stop right here for a moment. If nobody ever knows you're dealing with something, they have no opportunity to join with you and help you. And then so the victory, they have no part in either. Can you see that? God intended, I shouldn't say that, God made us a body. The body is not separated. The body is joined together. Right? And the body doesn't do things by parts independently. The body deals with things as a unit. Doesn't it? I mean, if, uh, if the body is attacked by a bear, how many understand a couple of parts trying to do something is not going to work? <laughs> if the ear says, we got to get out of here, we got to get out of here now, and the foot says, I'm tired. I was working yesterday. Hand, it's your turn. I can't, I can't run like you can, foot. Come on, man. <laughs> now you're laughing, but can you see one of the reasons that the, the New Testament command is to love each other? If you love each other and value each other and forgive each other, you stay connected. You keep working together. Can you see why the devil fights that so hard, trying to cause strife and division? Because if he gets us segmented and separated, we can't work together, we can't do our thing. Yeah, that's good. But word and faith people have learned that you're not supposed to look to anybody as your source. That's right, that's true. They've learned. That you don't just need to tell everybody that you're going through something. Because a lot of times all you get is a bunch of unbelief. And it's just more for you to have to deal with. And that's true. That's true. That's right. But a lot of folks have gone beyond that. And they hide stuff. Even if the Spirit of God is trying to help them through somebody. They won't even admit that they're dealing with anything. And that's just pride. There's no redeeming thing about that. More than once, I've had the Lord put people on my heart. Same thing with Phyllis. This has happened with her numerous times. And with me. Somebody on our hearts. Pray about them. Get an answer. Get some direction. Contact them. Or just when we're around them, steer the conversation a certain way. Try to talk to them about something. And they will not talk about it. Well, what can you do? That's it. Well, why don't you just tell them? No. That's not how it works. You don't cast your pearls before swine. You don't give that which is holy to the dogs. What, do you, what does that mean? That's not calling people names. Pigs have no appreciation for pearls. Doesn't mean anything more to them than a gravel rock. Right? And if that's what's happening, that the person doesn't value this, and they would rather hold on to their pride 
than talk about this, then they don't value what the Lord's trying to give them. And you need to be quiet. You need to stop. Unless the Lord specifically deals with you to do something beyond that. Being led is the only way to get it all right. But over and over, we've had the Lord give us things by word of knowledge. That people needed this and that this was going on. And even tried to talk to them about it. And they denied it. No. No, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're faith people. We're fine. Faith people are fine. Faith people are fine. Fine faith people. Faith people are just fine. That's it. Don't need anything. And eight months later, tell us that it was true. And they were hurting and hurting, but they, well, and they didn't get to help. Can you see that? They didn't get to help that was available. Well, I was believing God. Yeah, and he sent somebody to help you. <laughs> you think we were just twiddling our thumbs, looking for something to do? <laughs> so many times we haven't realized the answer to our prayer. You know, when God rained manna out of the sky, people were hungry. They needed something to eat. God, you, you talk about spectacular miracle. I mean, it doesn't get any more spectacular than this. Food, somebody says, what, God's just going to drop it out of the sky? Yeah, he did. He just <laughs> dropped it right out of the sky. He said, go pick it up. And the, the way it got its name is they said, what is it? It's supper. Go get it. <laughs> what, well, man, I mean, what is it? What is it? It's the answer to your prayer. Huh, really? Yeah, go get it. Now? Yes, go get it. Pick it up. Pick it up. Put it in a basket. Take it back home. Cook it. Eat it. Yum, yum. <laughs> now you're laughing, but pride makes you dumb as a post. It will. You will. You will hide and cover. Oh, we're just going. We're grandy. Yeah, fine. No, nah, no. Nah, you help, help other folks. We don't need a thing. And they're loading up your stuff and hauling it away as we speak. <laughs> now you're laughing. This has happened. Am I exaggerating? This has happened. Right, Dave? It's happened. Not once or twice. What happens with the proud? They don't get help. They get resisted. Do you want to be in that spot? No, No, you do not. Not ever. No, you don't go around telling everybody what you need. No, you don't do that. But if somebody tries to talk to you about it, you don't lie. And you don't hide it. Huh? And you don't, you don't make excuses and you don't pretend. You don't try to act like you're doing better than you are. Phyllis and I, when we first moved out to uh, Tulsa, we took some steps of faith and we sowed the best we knew how. And boy, within a few years, the Lord helped us. We had money coming in, more than we had ever had. But we didn't know how to handle it. And we just did some dumb stuff. You ever did any dumb stuff? You know, you get some money, what do you do? Go spend it, right? <laughs> and we got behind, we got messed up, and we got behind on our taxes. We didn't even know about them higher brackets. 
and how much they want. And <laughs> oh, brother. And next thing you know, we were $10,000 behind on our taxes. And boy, they, they've got these uh, penalties. <laughs> and they just accrue. And they just keep adding up. And, you know, that's not something you want to advertise. That you were dumb. <laughs> Didn't pay your taxes like you should. And got, got yourself in a mess and a bind. But we knew the Lord's merciful. So Phyllis and I repented. Asked the Lord for mercy. Now, what's happening right there? Can you see that? We need to, you know, you, you, you'll see people spiritualizing their pride. And instead of that, they're going, ah, oh, the devil's just attacking me. He's attacking me. I'm, I'm doing so much for the kingdom that he just singled me out and coming against me with half a hell. And we don't know why, but it's just, I guess it's because so much anointing on us. How about you were really dumb and did a really dumb thing that had nothing to do with ministry or doing something with the kingdom, much less your anointing. It's even worse than that. The Spirit of God tried to tell you during that what to do and you ignored him and wouldn't listen. So, the scripture said fools, be, you know, because of their whatever's are afflicted. So there are times you just need to hit the carpet and go, Lord, I've been a fool. I have just acted a fool here. You tried to tell me, but no, I, I had to do my little thing. Lord, I'm sorry. This is nobody's fault but mine. Can't even blame the devil. He just laughed while I messed myself up. He said, keep going. God. <laughs> Lord, it's our fault. We confess. We acknowledge. And we say, well, the Lord's already paid for all the sins. Why would you need to confess it? Because it's already paid for. I've already been over this, but I'm going to go over it again real slow. Even though it's all been paid for, you haven't received it yet. Come on, can you see that? And the big thing is not to try to keep God from being mad at you. He's not mad at you. He's accepted what Jesus has done for you. But you still have sin consciousness and condemnation in yourself from violating light. How are you going to get rid of it? You have to acknowledge. Right? So what I have to acknowledge, there's, nothing to, there's no forgiveness to receive for anything if you didn't do anything. Come on, can you see this? You've got to acknowledge I messed up here. But then don't wallow in any condemnation. Immediately. Receive. Receive forgiveness and complete cleansing and the righteousness of God. And know that he's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He paid the price. But you got to receive it. And if you didn't mess up, there's no need to receive it. So you still got to humble yourself. At different times in your life, when you see that you violated light. That's what sin is. To him that knows something. To do good and doesn't do it. To him. It's sin. Phyllis and I repented. Lord have mercy on us. For being dumb. 
and we are making plans to do better. We're changing some things, we did. Well, in a few, uh, I don't know, a couple of months passed by or so, I went to minister to another place, another state, and uh, a man that, uh, should I say who? Yeah, I think I will. Brother David Crank Sr., Dave Crank's uh, dad, who's gone to heaven now. I was at, we were in St. Louis with him. We didn't know them. And I was speaking at his church. And I'll never forget it. We're walking across the uh, parking lot to the hotel. And uh, he, uh, he leaned over to me, put his hand on my shoulder. He said, Keith, do you owe taxes? <laughs> what, what do you want to say? We're fine. <laughs> now, see, you knew the answer to that right off. Is that right? You know, we're, we're okay. We're why? Because faith people are fine. A, a big giant reversal people have done with faith. What do you mean? Romans says God and Abraham. Call those things that be not as though they were. A lot of folks have taken that and turned it around. And they call the things that are as though they're not. Somebody says, what's the difference? Total difference. One of them's pretending. <laughs> and the other one's faith. If you have debt, you don't say, I have no debt by faith. That's got nothing to do with faith. You're calling something that is as though it's not. Is that what the Bible said to do? Did not say that. It said to call the thing that's not as though it were. If it's not paid, I call it paid. If it's not healed, I call it healed. But I don't go around going, I have no pain. I have no pain. Ooh, I have no, uh, I have no pain. I have no pain. I have no pain. You do have pain. You do have pain. This is not faith. This is confusion. And besides that, think about what you're hearing. I have no pain. I have no pain. I have no pain. I have no pain, you're feeling pain, you're talking pain, you're hearing pain, you're immersed in pain. That's not what the Bible told you to do. If it's not strong, let the weak say, I'm not weak. No. Let the weak say, I'm strong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Giant, giant difference. So if he asked me, do I owe taxes? And, and I'm going to make a supposed faith statement that I don't. Because we've already prayed and claimed the money, so we're going to call it paid. So I can tell him it's paid, so I can save my pride. Then I am actually disqualifying myself from help. Yeah. 
and putting myself in a place where I'm getting resisted. Because pride stinks to God. It stinks in his nostrils. He loves you, but he hates pride. So you want to separate yourself from what he hates. Because pride is the nature of his enemy that has done everything in his power. I was thinking about it earlier. We were singing the song. They were singing the song about God can do anything but fail. He's never lost a battle. And we think, yeah, well, there's no way he could. He has been attacked by his own. There's been insurrection. There's been rebellion of mighty angels. They must have thought they could do it. But they couldn't do it. But you don't want anything in common with his enemy. And what did Jesus say? Learn about me. Is he, is he so different from the enemy? He learned about me. What, what's, I'm humble. I'm meek. Another way of saying it, him saying, I'm truth. He'll never lie to you. He'll never act haughty with you. Never. So when this brother leans up and says, Keith, do you owe taxes? Help me out. Yes, yes, sir. Oh yeah, y'all know the answer now. <laughs> yeah, in, now. After I preached to you for two days. <laughs> I I hung my head, I said, Yeah, brother, we do. We do. He he kind of leaned over. He said, I know it's none of my business. He said, But how much do you owe? I said, Well, it's a little over ten thousand dollars. He said, we're going to send you $1,000 every month until that's paid. This is personal. This is not ministry. They personally are going to send us personally $1,000. I said, yeah. He said, yep. He said, I've got some things I'm leaving for too. I said, well, I'll hook with you, brother. I said, thank you. Tears came in my eyes. We hugged. We prayed over it. We received it. And boy, every month that check was there. Every month. Thousand bucks. And we paid it off. And during that same time, we owed us another $5,000 on something. And those folks called us one day and said, the Lord's debt with us. You don't owe us that. We're sowing that to you. Glory to God. And it wasn't because we deserved it. We messed up. We didn't do what we should have done. You don't need mercy if you've done everything right. (laughs) Mercy is for when you hadn't done things right. And oh, thank God. Did you see how this started off? He's the God. Of all comfort. He's the father. Of mercies. Plural. He's got mercy for your soul. He's got mercy for your body. 
He's got mercy for your pocketbook. He's got mercy for your marriage. He's got mercy for your kids. He's got mercy. Grace and mercy. Mercy and grace to help in the time of need. But who gets it, child of God? Help me. Who get, Does everybody get it the same? It's obvious. Millions are not getting this help. It's obvious. Who gets it? Who gets it? Who gets it? Who gets it? Those who will acknowledge the truth. Right? I need help. I don't deserve it. But I need it. I believe you can do it, Lord. I'm asking for mercy. That's what we did on that finance. I mean, we, we, we got down on the floor and we said, God, we forgive us. We've been dumb. You know, part of us ignorance. We'd never had any money. We just didn't know what we were doing. And that's not an excuse. But we repent. We will do better. We're making some changes now. But we've got to get out of this. We've got to get caught up. Praise God. I never said a word that Brother Crank could have figured out that we owed a tax. I mean, that's not something I advertised. But apparently God told him. This Brother Dave Crank Jr. They had a church up in St. Louis. His son and his wife now have a great church up there as well, St. Louis. And I will forever be thankful. Hallelujah. But when he looked at me and asked me that question, can you see, I could have messed this up. Do you see that? I could have messed this up. And, And if I'm going around trying to drop hints, then that's me trying to maneuver people. And that's wrong. So no, you don't go around telling people what you need and telling people what you want and dropping hints. Don't do that. But when somebody comes to you and asks you questions and these kind of things, don't hide it. Don't hide it. Don't cover it. Don't try to talk some trumped up spirit faith talk. That's not faith. And never call something that is as though it is not. Denying things that's going on has nothing to do with faith. If it is, it is. But what we're going to believe is for something we don't see yet to change what is. So we're not going to keep talking about what is. We're going to put our faith on calling something out of the unseen into the seen realm. If it's sick, we're going to call it healed. Right? If it's broke, we're going to call it whole. If it's weak, we're going to call it strong. But if somebody asks, are you hurting and you got pain, you only got two options. Say, I'd rather not talk about it. (laughs) Or yes. Have you blown your faith if you say yes? No. No. Because you don't walk by what you see. My faith is, my believing is not based in what I see. Now you can't just talk about how you feel all day. Because that will mess with your faith. But no, you haven't blown your faith. If somebody says, well, are you feeling worse today? If you say, yeah, you know, not, not quite as good as yesterday. But, but. I, I don't, this don't move me. I call my body healed. 
Hallelujah. I know uh, I was down in uh, Central America decades ago on a mission trip, and uh, there was a lady minister there who was a faith teacher and preacher, but had gotten cancer of the stomach and was in the very last stages of it, skin and bone, bedfast. Doctors said she should have been dead days and weeks ago. And while I was there, they told me about her and said she had asked, would we come by? And so it worked out that we could. So I went by to see her. And oh dear me, she was, you know, raspy breath, skin and bone. And um, I couldn't hear, I couldn't understand what she was saying. Her voice was so weak. And I finally had to get right next to her head and put my, my ear down. And this is what she said. Now, I'm, I'll try to say it loud enough, but she said, I'm just so weak. Brother Keith, I, I can't eat anything. And every time I eat, it just comes right back up. And I can't. I can't eat. And uh, I said, well, and I'm, I'm so weak. That's what she kept saying. I'm so weak. She'd have to wait and, and build her strength to be able to say something again. You could tell, she, she's right at death's door. She's, you wouldn't have been shocked if she died while we were talking. Right. And the Lord quickened to me this. Let the weak say, I am strong. And uh, so I said, well, sister, I said, I, I believe I'm quickened for us to say this. I said it. And she looked at me and she nodded her head like I know that. She was a faith preacher. And uh, she said, but I just had no appetite. And every time I eat something, it just, it just comes right back up. And I, I'm so weak. I said, I understand, I understand, but that's not, that's not helping. I said, would you just say it with me a couple of times? I, I am, am strong, strong. And for the next 30 minutes, that's what we did. We had to wait sometimes. Sometimes we'd say, I call my body strong. The Lord's my witness. Within 45 minutes, She's sitting up in the bed on her own power, saying it loud enough, I call my body strong. You could hear her outside the house. Miraculous. <laughs> Miraculous. Man, she's, she's got tears of joy on her cheek. And uh, I, I said, now sister, listen to this. Don't say again how weak you are. Now you're not denying it, but you don't need to go around confessing it all the time either, right? You need to be saying something else. So you just keep every time you let the weak say, let the weak do something. What can I do about it? He, he told you something to do about it. Say, I am going to be someday. No, I am Strong. See, you're calling something that's not. Come on, can you see it? We, we must not think we know this. 
we must not think we already know all about this. Because we heard a teaching on it 20 years ago. Or in our case, 40 or 50. It's not what you think you know. What are you doing? Acting on. And so, I said, now sister, I said, don't, you don't need to keep talking about how weak you are. I, I, I know I'm not there. I don't know what it feels like. But we see this works. We see right in front of your eyes. Less than an hour. I said, this is what you say. You say, I have a voracious appetite. And when I eat, it stays down. <laughs> and you don't say anything else. I said, oh, come on, say it with me right now, right now. She said, okay, I have a voracious, she said, a what? I said, voracious, voracious appetite. And when I eat, it stays down. I said, you got it? She said, uh-huh, uh-huh. I said, now listen to me. If you eat, now here's where people lose it. If you eat and you feel sick and you throw it up, she said, huh? I said, listen to me. When you get through throwing up, you wipe your mouth and you say, I have a voracious appetite and when I eat, it stays down. This is what people haven't understood. They, they have some symptoms, they have something that doesn't look right and they go, well, I don't understand. I'm a faith person and I said it, but this is not working. Because you just said it's not working. Yes. <laughs> and you're totally moved by what you feel and see. Your believing is based on what you feel and see. This is fight, the good fight of faith, lay, hold. This is our part. God doesn't lay hold for us. He told us to lay hold. And you... Anybody can say, when I eat it stays down, when it stays down. You don't have to be a believer. It takes faith when it's not staying down. And it doesn't look like it's staying down. And it doesn't feel like it's staying down. And you feel so sick you think you're going to die. That's when you got to reach down on the inside and let the greater one come up and help you and you say, I said, (laughs) when I eat, it stays down. And you don't let it move you. Just don't let it move you. I saw her. No, I didn't see her. I saw one of her friends at another meeting four or five months later. And they came by and said, did you go and visit Sister So-and-so? I said, yeah. They said, do you know, after you left, she got this appetite <laughs> and she's put on 30 pounds and she's just doing wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> oh, glory to, glory to God. Will that work for anybody yes. that will do it? If you'll humble yourself, acknowledge what you've been doing wrong, Make the changes, grace will flow to you, help will flow to you, and changes will come. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Will you 
acknowledge when you need to that you've got an issue? Does that destroy your faith? No. 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 Will you receive help when the Lord sends it? That was a little weak. Will you? Will you have to humble yourself? See, you get this staunch thing, well, I don't take charity. Well, go down then. What else can you do? I don't need help. I stand on my own two feet. Well, you won't stand for long. I'm a self-made man. Well, then you ain't much. We need his help. We need each other. I said we need each other. You know, Brother Hagin used to say this. He said, you watch. The very people you think you don't need and criticize or judge, you will wind up needing them. So it pays to treat everybody nice. They could be the ones God uses to bail you out. <laughs> let's, keep, let's keep reading here. 2 Corinthians 1. Keep reading. Our hope for you is firm because we know just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. Who's Paul talking about now? Himself. We were under great pressure. Now other translations say burden. Burden. So this is talking exactly about our text. We were under great pressure. Far beyond our ability to endure. Say what? Isn't that a bad confession? Don't you think it'd be a bad confession to say, man, this is more than I can deal with. That's a bad confession, right? It can be the truth. That it is more than you on your own can deal with. You need help. The Bible didn't say be strong in your might, your strength, and the power of your might. What did it say? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. didn't say, I can do all things, period. That's not true. <laughs> I can do anything. It's not true. You don't want to tell your children. Baby, you're smart, you're pretty, you're handsome, you're great. You can be anything you want to be in life. You can do anything you want to do if you'll just set your mind to it and work hard. You are lying to them. You say, say what? If you're a Christian and you're serious, it's not up to you to decide what you want to be and what you want to do. That's already been decided for you. You need to find out. You need to seek God and discover what he is directing you to do. 
And, and doing that is the only thing you will be graced and anointed to do. And you can do your own thing and fail. And fail and fail. And you can change your major ten times. And you can change professions five times. And you can change marriages five times. Doing what you decide to do. How did we get into that? He said, brothers, this is embarrassing, so I'm not going to tell you about it. No. What did he say? I don't want you to be in the dark about what a rough time I went through. We were pushed when we were over there in Asia far beyond my ability to endure so that I despaired of life. Who's talking here? Paul, the great man of God. You can't say he didn't know about faith. We preach faith from what we learn from him. Spirit of God through him. You're going to imagine you're developed in faith way out beyond him? No. It's just there's some junk pretend stuff. Some confusion that people call faith. Faith doesn't deny what's happening. It looks to a greater power to change it. Faith doesn't pretend we're not dealing with anything. Verse 9. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. He's saying, I thought that was it. I didn't think we were going to make it through that. But I learned something. I got something during that. It happened. That I might not rely on ourselves, but on God. And even if I did die, he raises the dead. Now you're laughing. It happened. You remember? He was stoned. You remember? And these guys are expert stoners. They don't leave you with a wound. (laughs) They keep nailing you until they're sure the job is done. He said, I see this is this is where Abraham got when God told him, Come give me Isaac. How do you how do you do that? Daddy? Your boy? That you believed God for most of your life. You going to obey God or not? What do I do? What do I do? God. And he thought, hold on now. God said, in Isaac would be the seed. That's what he said. So, I guess he's going to have to raise this boy from the dead. That's how he went through with it. He was convinced. He's about to see a resurrection. He was convinced of it. And in doing so, he actually believed for the resurrection. And God had a covenant right. His covenant friend was willing to give him his only begotten son and believe for a resurrection. Oh, come on. This is covenant. This is covenant. And so God had every right 
hallelujah, to give his only begotten son and raise him from the dead. Ooh. Oh. And Paul got to the place where he said, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I, I'm not enough for this. I, uh, I got to that place one time some years ago in some things. I won't go into, into detail, but I, I, it never dawned on me that I could get to the breaking point. I was so blessed in life and had great parents and people around me that believed in me and was a believer at a real early age and just had a strength in me. You get used to it. And I got to a point in some things where I, I, I kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed until finally I, I thought, I, you get to a breaking point where your mind just don't want to work. I didn't realize you could get to that point, but anyone can. And if you don't think so, you've just never been pushed far enough. Every one of us can be pushed to the point where it's beyond you. And here is the revelation. Paul said, I, this is the same chapter, maybe we'll get to this later in the week, where he says, I come to the realization and I even glory in weaknesses <laughs> because when I'm weak <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I realize I can't do this God I got to have some help then here he comes here he comes and when I'm weak that's when I'm strongest but it's not me but it's Christ in me the hope of glory. Oh, come on. Glory to God. But see, pride will never want to admit I can't do it on my own. Pride will never want to admit it's too much for me to handle. Pride will keep trying to do it itself. It'll keep trying to fix another person. It'll keep trying to fix a situation that's beyond you. Until you're worn out. Until you're fatigued beyond your mind. And what the Lord say? Honey, come here. Come here. Lay down that burden. That's too big for you, baby. Too big for you. Quit it. Get out of that yoke. I didn't put you in that yoke. You're trying to believe for something I didn't tell you to believe for. You're trying to believe for something that's not your choice. That's them. You can't control them. This is beyond you. And when you do, what happens? You'll find rest. When you realize who Jesus is, how humble he is, and you realize that's what I want to be, that's what I must be, you humble yourself and admit, I'm not the Savior. I'm not the provider. I'm, I can't, this is too big for me. I can't do this. And when you acknowledge the truth, that load comes off of you. Grace flows into you. Come on, can you see this? And you find rest to your soul. 
Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Let me finish reading this. He said, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. This, but this happened. We might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Because he's thinking, well, what if I die? What if I die? What if I die? This fear is rampant all over the earth right now. What if I die? What if I die? Friend, the Lord tarries this much longer. You're going to die. One way or the other. That's not the big deal. You want to be ready to die. Tonight. You need to be ready to go tonight. And the only way you can be ready to go is if you humble yourself and admit you need a Savior and receive Him. But the thing that can make you free from everything that could cause death is that when I do die, that's not the end. I serve a God who raises the dead. It won't be the end of me. (laughs) Not spirit, soul, or body. Paul got free when he quit relying on himself. And he put more and more reliance on God. Verse 10. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. He didn't die. Or even in the stoning. He did die. He was raised from the dead. He made it out. He came through. He said he delivered us. And we hope he does in time. No, he will deliver us. And on him we've set our hope that he will continue. He's talking about long range in the future now. He delivered us last week. He delivered us over in Asia and he'll deliver us today. And he will yet deliver us tomorrow and next week. He always, why? I'm not relying on myself. There's all kinds of things too big for me. But nothing is too big for him. Even if he has to raise me from the dead. Hallelujah. He will yet deliver us. Hallelujah. Verse 11. And as you help us by your prayers. You know, more than once Paul said, pray for us. You know, pray for me that boldness would be given to me. Pray for me that utter. Can you hear some humility in that? He knows I, I, I need help. I need utterance. Join with me. Help me. Then we'll, many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor, grace granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Did Paul get favor, grace, help when he needed it? Did he? When did his giant breakthrough come? When he threw up his hands and said, it's too big for me. This is beyond me. God, I'm, I'm just, here it is. I'm relying on you, and if I die here, you got to raise me from the dead, I guess. <laughs> and you will one way or the other. Right? Grace and strength and mercy. So he, grace in that situation then grace to get him out of there, then grace, the rest of his ministry that's recorded in Acts, grace, all this revelation that came out through these letters, uh, grace, 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 still flowing today. Can you say amen? amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. 
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.